Alright, there's uh, a few things in this world that occur fairly regularly that are extraordinarily amazing. But they happen so often we probably don't appreciate their occurrences as much as we should. Let me start off with a few examples of things that are really amazing that we just sort of overlook because they do happen frequently. The first one is adoption. You guys ever thought about how amazing adoption is? I, can ju I just marvel at parents that take a stranger or an outsider and adopt them into their family. Think about how much most of, most of us dislike interacting or, or even showing mild affection to a stranger or an outsider or somebody that we don't know. Do you know what I personally think one of the worst feelings in the world is? When you're sitting on a plane and it's taxiing and you haven't even taken off yet and then this stranger next to you starts to talk. Like they don't even wait an hour or so until you're really bored. Like they just start talking right away and you're thinking about this stranger or this outsider that might be totally reasonable but might be a huge weirdo and you're stuck there for four hours and you're going to have to interact with this outsider or this stranger and that's what's so beautiful about adoption. You get this wonderful couple and they take this stranger or this outsider and, and, and they don't just talk to them for four hours, right? They bring them home and they change their diapers for three years. They put their school pictures on the wall for 12 years and they just lavish and shower them with all of their resources and affection without limit. And that's what I think makes adoption so beautiful and rare uh, that there's people that willingly do that. But it happens so common that sometimes we don't take time to think about how special it really is. Here's another example. How about organ transplants? Do you guys ever just take time to think about how incredible that is? I worked in a cardiac ICU for a year, and so I've been around patients who've literally had their lives extended because they've been given the beating heart of somebody else. It's amazing. But again, it happens so much that we don't often sit around and marvel about it. And even now, I can tell from your faces that you don't seem very impressed. <laughs> but I'll bet like a couple weeks ago, you changed the battery of like four or five smoke detectors in your house and walked around like you had accomplished a lot that morning, right? Pretty big deal that you change the batteries and three or four smoke detectors. Well, there's surgeons that do this with beating hearts, right? Very impressive, and uh, it's remarkable that these things happen in the world we live in. Here's another one. How about hibernation? Do you guys ever just take a moment to think about how incredible it is when animals hibernate? Living in the Yellowstone ecosystem, we're surrounded by all sorts of animals that hibernate every winter, like bears and bats and squirrels and frogs and snakes and turtles and badgers. Do you guys know that a bear's heart beat per minute will drop from 55 beats per minute to about 9 beats per minute during hibernation? How about this? Do you guys know that a mother bear will often give birth and nurse during hibernation? And then once a, winter, once a winter, most of us get the flu real bad. We spend about 24 hours in bed, and then we come out like a real dope, and we're like, oh, I feel like I've been hibernating, right? It's not the same thing. There's no tiny nursing infant bears. 
All right, all that to say, there's really amazing things that happen so commonly that we just kind of skip over them without taking the time to think about how remarkable they really are. There's a final occurrence that fits in this category, and uh, it's mentioned in the Bible. And uh, it's called grafting. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the concept of grafting. But basically, for thousands of years, people that are knowledgeable about this type of thing, they take a branch from one living tree and they extract it from the tree that it's a part of and they insert it into another living tree. And uh, this technique, um, it accomplishes a lot of things. It can actually increase the yields of fruit on a tree with a lot of grafted branches. Now it's producing way more fruit than it naturally would have. It's a way that people repair damaged or sick trees. It's a way that people have invented and produced new plant forms. Uh, and it accelerates the whole process of pollination and cross-pollination that is so important to, uh, to the environment. So I just want to ask you guys the question, are you aware that people can take a branch from one fruit tree, put it into a different type of fruit tree, and it will still produce its original fruit? Again, it's just one of those remarkable things that we often overlook, and uh, I think that it's um, beneficial for us to talk about it a little bit more deeply this afternoon. So every Sunday for the last few weeks, we've been studying places in the Bible where the authors take something from the natural world uh, that we interact with and use it to teach us something essential about God. So I'd like to spend the next 20 minutes unpacking how the author of the book of Romans uses this illustration of this technique of grafting to teach us about how God uses grace or undeserved favor to bring new vibrant life uh, out of dead sticks like us. So if you haven't already, please open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. And uh, I just want to talk about this very quickly. I just want to spend two or three minutes talking about the context of today's passage so we can understand where it occurs in the Bible and the context around it. I want to spend just a couple minutes in section two talking about what the original audience uh, would have known about grafting to help us kind of understand the overall point. And then I want to wrap up with, uh, with 15 minutes or so of so what. Why is it worth it for us to take time to understand what Paul is trying to teach us about God through this illustration of this ancient uh, uh, occurrence of tree branches? So let's jump in. Uh, this illustration occurs within the book of Romans. Romans was a letter written by Paul uh, to Christians living in Rome, probably around 55 to 60 AD. Paul had never visited this particular church, but he was very familiar about everything that was happening within the congregation. He would have either had mutual friends uh, that were part of that church, or he would have received letters from them. And uh, this particular church in Rome was made up of both Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles is just the word that the Bible uses for people that were not ethnically Jewish or from Israel. So it's made up of those people with different heritages. Uh, and the letter is filled with beautiful explanations of how we're all sinners, regardless of our spiritual heritage, regardless of the home that we grew up in. We're all sinners, and we can all find spiritual renewal through faith in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection and the righteousness that he then freely gives to those who believe in him. So that's just kind of what the book of Romans is all about. And then there's a specific kind of train of thought that this, uh, this illustration is used in, uh, in, in today's passage. So there are those two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, within this Christian church. They're having trouble on agreeing on their new identity once they've accepted 
Jesus Christ. Once they've kind of received that righteousness that comes from putting faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they knew who they were before that, and now they're trying to figure out, like, what does that mean now, Jews and non-Jews who believe in Jesus moving forward? And so it's within that context that Paul gives this beautiful picture to help them understand how they can be united and be part of a church and continue to follow Jesus together. And he gives, uh, hopefully tying this all together, he gives them that picture of grafted branches, that we can be from different places, but we can still be part of the same living entity that worships and receives God's favor together. Well, let's move on to section two really quickly and talk about what the original audience would have known about grafting. I imagine that most of us walked in today uh, and didn't know anything about it. Maybe we had a vague awareness that this is something that people in orchards do, uh, but it's, it's, it's really not something that we know a lot about in the, in the modern world. Uh, I guess a quick definition says, grafting is a horticultural technique where tissues of plants are joined to continue their growth together. The upper part of the combined plant is called the scion, while the lower part is called the rootstock. And um, there are some pictures and diagrams. Like, I just want you guys to know, like, this is, this is real science. Like, this really happens. People really do this uh, to amazing results. Uh, another thing that helps us kind of understand what the original audience would have thought about all this is, like, every region of the country, every region of the world, they have different, like foods and food byproducts that they value more than other regions. Uh, I used to live in Wisconsin, and uh, you can probably tell that just from how I say Wisconsin. And uh, the the things that we value there food-wise more than anything else are cheese and butter. And we put it on everything. And um, like I'll melt butter and pour it on top of a steak before I eat it. Our fast food restaurants, at least the really popular ones in Wisconsin, they don't even serve french fries. They serve deep fried cheddar. And most people from that area will get the cheese curds instead of the fries. Uh, we even have this thing at our most popular fast food restaurant called Butter Burgers. And basically, like, the patty is just kind of grilled in butter on the grill. And uh, the buns are soaked a little bit in butter as well. And um, I'm just trying to illustrate how different places have, have different things uh, in their cuisine and in their food preparation. Um, I've lost like 10 pounds since I moved away from Wisconsin, <laughs> by the way, because it turns out all that butter and cheese isn't that good for you. Um, well, all that to say in the Middle East, there's something that's really prized more than anything else, and it's olive oil. And so almost anybody who, who had property that could grow something would have an olive tree on their property or close by. In Bible times, olive oil was used for cooking, cosmetics, medicine, soap, and lamp oil. That's like all the things, right? Like olive oil would help you with all the things that you would need to do on a day-to-day basis. Cooking, cosmetics, medicine, soap, and lamp oil. Um, And so that kind of helps us understand why everybody would have known about grafting. Because if you were able to add additional uh, shoots or scions onto the tree on your property, you could double or triple or quadruple the yield of olives and just think about all the ways that you would need to use olives in day-to-day things. Um, Kind of wrapping up section two here to understand uh, why and how people would have known about all this. Um, Olive trees are used 
throughout the Bible, in places like Hosea 14 and Habakkuk 3, and even the New Testament, like a Revelations 11, uh, the olive tree is symbolic of, of the people that God loves and favors the most. So a lot of times when you're reading through the Old Testament and it's, there's these prophecies and it talks about an olive tree, it's this uh, illustration or an analogy or a metaphor that this olive tree is who God loves and favors the most. Um, one other thing that's really beautiful is, is, is if Israel is traditionally thought of as, as who God loves and favors the most, sometimes we get this kind of eth- ethnic thought into our mind that well, well, God must just love people from that region of the world more than others. But this idea of grafted branches helps us understand that, that the olive tree that God loves and favors, it's, it's not an ethnic thing. Because there's characters in the Old Testament, there's people in the Old Testament like Rahab and Ruth, that in the genealogy of Jesus, as well as uh, the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11, these seem to be some of God's favorite characters. These seem to be some of the people that God is the most proud of. And again, they're grafted branches. They weren't ethnic Jews. Rahab was a Canaanite prostitute who showed great faith. Ruth was a dirty, poor, widowed Moabite. These are like the ethnic rivals of the Jewish people, but they're beautifully grafted into the olive tree of who God loves and favors the most. And um, that's a beautiful picture of how some of these analogies are woven together throughout the Bible. But nobody came here to just get better at Bible trivia, I'm pretty sure. Uh, So let's just spend the next 10 minutes or so wrapping up and talking about the so what. Like, Like, how is this analogy of a Christian being like a grafted branch, hopefully relevant and definitely encouraging for us today. And um, I'd like to share three things. So in Romans 11, Paul uses this clear analogy that a Christian is like a grafted branch onto this olive tree, onto this thing that God loves and favors. Uh, And it would be so easy for us, if we're just reading through our Bibles in a year, to be like, oh, that's just something from the olden days, and to skip right over it. But if we take time to contemplate what this illustration is all about, um, I think it has at least three really beautiful encouragements or challenges for us. Sometimes people in Montana need to be told to reflect in a moat, right? We're so busy just surviving that sometimes we need to be prodded and told to take time to feel something. So I'm inviting you guys to just take a moment to feel what the ramifications of this beautiful analogy mean. The first one is this. If a Christian is like a grafted branch onto a tree, it means that anyone can be part of this beautiful, eternal thing that God is doing. Let's just take a moment to emote on that. If it's true that a Christian is like a branch grafted onto a tree, it means that any one of us, anyone that we come across, can be part of this beautiful thing that God is doing. You don't have to be ethnically Jewish to be part of this beautiful thing that God is doing. You don't have to have lived your life well up to this point to be part of this thing that God is doing. You don't have to always make the right choices to be part of this thing that God is doing because each one of us is grafted in. There's nobody that's a Christian because they have lived their life and grown to maturity entirely on their own. Do you guys understand how beautiful that is? That each one of us that's part of this thing that God is doing is because we've been grafted 
in. We didn't come to maturity on our own. We didn't earn God's favor because of the way that we grew old and straight. That's not what the analogy is saying. It's saying we're all part of this tree because we're a grafted branch. There might be somebody in here today that feels like they don't really belong in God's favored family because maybe they don't own a lot. Maybe career-wise they haven't accomplished a lot. Maybe they come up uh, alongside other people who are more accomplished and just think, well, I'm not like them. Maybe there's people here that have experienced divorce and there's a lie in their head that says you, you just haven't lived your life like as well as some of the other people in church. There might be people that are former alcoholics or current alcoholics. There might, there's surely people that are um, dealing with despair and depression. The beauty of this analogy is that you don't grow to maturity and receive God's favor on your own. We're all a grafted branch, uh, and that should be so encouraging. We become grafted through grace, not through achievement, uh, not through anything that we've done. Here's another thing that's beautiful about this uh, analogy, and it's, uh, it's that we can all rejoice in the source of our righteousness. Um, I already forgot to read a couple of verses. But let me read Romans eleven seventeen to 18 that says this. If some, of the, if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to the other branches. This is beautifully telling us that uh, our spiritual life, God's favor, the good things that God is going to do in our life, again, it doesn't come from us. Is the stick. It comes from the roots. It comes from God himself. It means that we can each be a dead stick and still experience fruitfulness, still experience spiritual vitality and new life. Um, if you guys are anything like me, there's times when you just kind of become, I don't know, caught under the weight of despair. Maybe you think to yourself, I'm not the parent that I would like to be. I'm not the spouse that my spouse deserves. I'm not as successful as I thought that I would be. My friends have been kind of neglecting me lately. And sometimes these burdens make us feel like we're spiritually lifeless. We're not as dynamic as we would like to be. The comedian Dimitri Martin has this funny joke about how he brought a cactus home to his apartment and it died a couple weeks later. So then he kind of makes this depressed look and he says, this means that I'm less hospitable than a desert. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we feel that way. Like everything that we touch dies. We're less hospitable than a desert. But what's so beautiful about this analogy is that our golden touch or our ability uh, to, to impact things positively is not what brings spiritual vitality in life. The root, the nourishment, it comes from God. Because again, we're that branch that's grafted onto something that's life-giving. If you ever don't want to go to church because you feel like a dead stick, if you ever feel like you don't deserve God's favor because you're a dead stick, the beauty of this analogy is that a branch that's cut off can produce fruit. Because it's God that does that beautiful thing. It's not by our own power. 
Um, so there's a couple things that I would encourage you to do. Come to church each week, read your Bible, become a man or woman of worship. Let me get you excited about reading the scriptures. But none of those things are what brings life. It's, it's God that brings life. We need to understand how the roots in this analogy are the righteousness of God. And it's the righteousness of God that we become grafted into that produces this life and dynamic uh, encounter that we all want so much. Um, let's wrap up with the final and third thought, and it's this. Um, we need to each be conscious of the God that prunes. Okay, And uh, let me read to you Romans 11, 20 to 23, which says this. Uh, Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he might not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also could be cut off. In a lot of translations, this warning says, don't be haughty or proud. And I think that terminology kind of gives us an appropriate framing for what it is that uh, this final point makes. If our acceptance or love or favor from God comes because of his mercy and grace and favor, it's so imperative for each one of us that we live with mercy and grace and favor for others. If we're God's favored tree because he grafted us in, right? Now we have to be patient with others. We have to be merciful to others. We have to be generous and full of grace because we need to reflect our God to others in the same way that he revealed himself to us. So I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward and uh, conclude our service with a final song or two. Um, I already love the uh, songs that they picked out, and I'm sure the next couple will be uh, super fitting as well. As we sing these final two songs, uh, let's just think about how our identity as Christians, uh, it could be compared to a lot of things, even a lot of things from the natural world. Uh, but what I believe God is calling us to focus on right now is that we are like a dead stick that's been grafted into a tree that represents God's favor and God's love. And uh, even if we feel dead, even if we feel cut off, we can experience that, that fruitfulness. We can have fruit growing out of us because God is the source uh, and because this all occurs because of his grace.